This episode may not be suitable for those who do not wash their hands. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Better Left Podcast. This is Jay. Uh, I'm actually getting a chance to join you from my home studio where I am sitting in front of my computer with my microphone. Much of the same that we all are because we're all work from home here in Washington right now. Uh, I'm getting the chance to introduce a really exciting episode to you too where we've done some interviews with some really big movers in Washington State surrounding COVID-19 and what we've been doing to kind of like make that better and how it's been impacting us. So Troy got a chance to sit down with Mike Estramsky Jr., whom you may recognize from an earlier episode where he was running for president of the Washington Federation of State Employees, a large union who represents many of the healthcare workers who are now at risk in Washington State. We got a chance to bring him back online to talk about COVID-19 and how it's been affecting his uh, union and what he's been doing to fight that. We also got a chance to sit down with another podcast pal, that's Mike Ferguson, who is working in the stage and lighting space and is talking about the GoFundMe kind of charity fundraiser that he's put together to help support those in need. So we got a chance to talk with him and how that's been affecting people as well. So we're really excited to bring you this episode. As always, we work very hard to represent real people and the voices of real local people as much as we can. So we're really excited. If you like what you hear, make sure you go ahead and like and subscribe on this podcast. Give us five stars and just make sure that you help us bring more voices to the forefront of the discussion. So again, this is Jay. Thanks for listening. and I hope you enjoy our interviews. Hey folks, it's Troy from Better Left Podcast. Um, we, of course, are doing our part and staying home and sheltering from COVID-19. Um, I happen to be at home with my brother and a roommate and uh, Sarah and Jay and Corns over in Cornland, um, uh, hiding away as we uh, work out sort of the technical issues around um, broadcasting, uh, which we're doing. Um, one of the things that has stuck out to me uh, the most through all of this is what podcast pals have been doing in this time of COVID-19, uh, in this unprecedented situation in our world and um, in our in our entire world. It is really a bizarre time and I tend to look to my friends and people that I know and our friends to help me make sense of this. And one of those folks is Mike Dostramski Jr. Hey, Mike. Hey, Troy. How's it going? It's going really good um, uh, in so much as we are all trapped in our homes and um, wondering what is next. Now, Mike, for those of you who, um, Mike, I think it, you were on our 23rd episode um, where we talked about the fact that you were running for president of AFSCME, uh Council 28 Woofsey. Did I do it right? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so you were running for the position of president and lo and behold, I'm not going to say we had anything to do with it, but right after our show and all your hard work and all the stuff that you did, you were elected. Correct. Yeah. We had our convention um, early October. That's where we, we had the election. And yes, I won uh, first ballot majority vote. So 
Wow. Well, we've been meaning to catch up with you uh, and chat. Um, this was certainly not the way that uh, that I had hoped to. I mean, who knew? Um, right. But the um, the spread of COVID nineteen um, has uh, the coronavirus has a particular impact on the work that you do. Can you explain a little bit about AFSME um, and WFSI? and why the COVID-19 um, virus impacts you particularly um, uh, close to home. Right, so as um, people may or may not know, if they've listened to the earlier podcast that I was on, um, ask me, Council 28, we'll see, we represent, we're the employee for um, state workers, for, for public sector employees here in the state of Washington. Um, so with that, um, our members are any state agencies, right? So you have your your um, offices of unemployment, of DSHS, but then also your big medical facilities, your Harborview, your University of Washington Medical, um, Western State Hospital, Eastern State Hospital, um, and so on and so forth. So with that, our members are dealing not only with the virus like everyone else uh, in the rest of the state is, but for instance, our employment security division are the people who process unemployment claims. So with uh, all of the rash of people now being out of jobs because of the uh, quarantining with COVID, um, they're actually getting inundated with um applications. I want to say the, the most recent thing from last week to this week said that their unemployment applications went up 850% from the previous wow. week. Um, so they're still doing that work, um, you know, and having to be creative around how to telework and, and all of that sort of stuff to still get everybody's stuff processed so that bills are being paid, all of that. And then, right. of course, the, the really big thing, again, is, like I said, Harborview, UW Medical, Western State Hospital, Eastern State Hospital, and the other uh, healthcare facilities that we represent um, beings. Obviously, Harborview, UW, those are where the first uh, handful of cases showed up and are continuing to show up. And you have the, again, the, the 24-7 state hospitals that are in a particular um, uh, situation where, you know, this is long-term residential care for a lot of these patients. Yeah. So when the, the illness, um, which unfortunately it has, has made its way into these facilities, now um, it's just a whole nother can of worms, so to speak. Yeah, no, I, I can only barely imagine um, all of the... Uh, the things that have to be done to protect the people that are there on a normal day, um, let alone having to take into account the, you know, how the virus spreads. Um, couple questions. Um, I want to talk about this first, and then I want to move into sort of when this, your first signs and how you saw um, uh, COVID-19 kind of impact the people that you're representing. Um, but how, we're seeing a lot of stuff on the news about healthcare workers uh, and the and the absolutely uh, superhuman hours uh, that they're putting in, and the lack of um, of PPE, um, uh, personal protective equipment. Is that right? Correct. 
Yes. Correct. And and so, um, how, how bad is it? How bad is that? So that's that's definitely been a major issue. Um, as we know, the PPE issue um, is a is a na- nationwide shortage, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's there's a whole lot of of different reasons for that. You know, there's of course the the panic hoarding that went on when this first broke. Right. Um, but but even prior to that. Um, you know, it, it goes back to more of a, a systematic issue of we, as a society, um, you know, we hadn't adequately prepared for something like this where we would sure. need stockpiles. So, you know, you see stories now about various companies and organizations um, shifting what they're uh, normally producing into producing some sort of PPE. Um, locally, there's been a bunch of like distilleries, for instance, that are yeah, yeah. Uh, making hand sanitizer, um, you know, things like that, which is which is great that they're doing it now. But again, I think that it it kind of shines a light on the fact that it wasn't. We should have had more to begin with, um, and I sure. think um, I, I would love to have credit. I don't know who the person was who said it. Um, I happen to see this uh, this quote online. Um, that I, you know, that I shared, but it just sounds, it it was great to me with what's going on where it said that a crisis like a pandemic doesn't break society. It just illuminates all of the things that are already broken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to know who said that too, because it, it it truly, I was just like, yes, those are the words that I've been seeking. It just, it really does kind of lay bare where all of our, where the deltas are between providing a service and where those holes are. And it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty stark. It's, um, you know, when you look at what we're trying to accomplish and how many times people um, on the progressive side of things um, uh, have spoken about readiness for this kind of thing. Right. and to not be there um, and to see it just kind of roll through and expose these places where people are made even more vulnerable. Um, exactly. I mean, you, you think about with what's been going on with this, again, you know, we were just talking about the, the healthcare workers, but again, as, as an overall society, the fact that we have a gigantic population of people who by not working, you know, by missing one paycheck are, are potentially facing uh, homelessness, right? Right. The fact that we don't have, you know, a lot of people don't have access to medical care. The fact that we don't have enough trained medical professionals or hospital beds to treat the amount of people who need medical care. The fact that we don't have, um, you know, adequate uh, childcare options for people or right. you know, again, food service, you know, food insecurity. Um, all yeah, of many of the kids. Have, when, yeah. All of these things have existed for, for forever in our society. Not right? But it's just, yeah. but it's, but now this, this type of situation again is what is making people stop and actually pay attention and realize like, Oh wow. Yeah. This, this is a, a big problem. Um, so in a, in a weird way and not to sound too Pollyanna, um, you know, my hope is that when, when all this is over and whenever we get back to 
whatever our, our new normal is, because I, I don't believe that we're ever going to get back to say what normal was in January, right? Yeah. I don't think that we can go back to that. So whatever our, our new normal is, I do hope that people are, t- are looking at what's going on right now and incorporating that into our new normal so that we actually do have a society that looks out for every person and takes care of every person um, and actually, you know, is proactive around things like this potentially happening so that we can be ready uh, to jump into action as soon as something like this comes up. It does. Uh, it does really. Um, it's frustrating in the sense that all of the the folks that are the most uh, at risk. Um, we're talking people who are on the verge of of uh, you know losing their homes, losing like they were one paycheck away. I mean, heck, you, I, I am one paycheck away. I mean, it's it's this is not this is indiscriminate in the sense that. There are a lot of people on the edge that, and we know it, and we knew it, and it it wasn't this. This wasn't the thing that I thought would be, who who, who thought pandemic? Um, right. I, I even say it, and I feel like, are we in a movie? Is this a, what's happening here? Um, it's surreal, uh, uh, to be sure. But now we're in this position where people, um, people of all ages are getting ill, um, and it's, you know, uh, there are definitely some folks out there, and I, I younger people perhaps. Um, I, I I think it runs the gamut of you know, crosses through all generations, where there are just people who are very American. Mm. This is going to stop me. I'm going to I'm going to bootstrap my way through this, and that's this. It literally mm. is out of our control. There's no bootstrapping to be done except to stay home. Right. Um, and that's that's a hard, that's a bitter pill to swallow as somebody who is so close to what's going on in the healthcare sector. Um, what are what's happening? What so, are some of the stories you can tell without crossing any of the lines or worrying about uh, violating any kind of um, HIPAA, um, any privacy laws or any of that? Um, talk to me about what's happening. So, again, like in a lot of places, we have people. You know, our, our healthcare workers, um, while they're, they're scared, understandably, um, you know, a, a lot of them, it, they don't know what's going on. I mean, I don't know what's going on in the sense of information is rapidly changing. You know, yeah. you get different directives from DOH and CDC almost daily. Um, and so are those the are those the two? Are you working uh, Department of Health and uh, Center for Disease Control, or like what are the different um, agencies that are dictating what so, goes on? Yeah, so that's where um, those are sort of the ones that that put out the recommendations of this is what you need to do, this is what you yeah. need to do, and then the 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 governor's office um, through the state of Washington, um, you know, is are they'll take those those directives, those recommendations, and that's what they're then sending out to um, us gotcha. to the agencies of, hey, this is what you need to do now, um, while trying to, again, uh, stay ahead of the whole thing. So, you know, but, but with that, um, we, you know, I mean, like I said, the healthcare workers, everyone's still going to work, right? Um, and I think that's, that's one of the things that I really... Um, just continue to, to want to press upon people is 
all these people out there on the front lines who are who really are like the heroes of, of all of this, right? Yeah. These are people who um, no one went into this work necessarily to become rich, right? They yeah. do it because they care, because they're passionate about um, helping people get better. Um, and they remain, you know, committed to, to doing that and committed to their, you know, their safety, right? Um, yeah, yeah. The patients, but also of, of their coworkers and themselves. Um, so I think in a weird way, again, when we talked on the last podcast, one of the um, sort of main pillars of my campaign running for president was around workplace safety. Um, and where I felt that um, we were lacking as yeah. far as really making that a, a primary issue. And lacking um, some real advocacy um, from folks in charge. That's what you were definitely stepping right. up to do. Right. And, you know, so now, obviously, this is a different kind of safety than what I, yeah. you know, I, I had thought about back in September and, and all of that. No, um, who knew? Yeah, yeah. Right. But it, But the idea being that it's still the same... Um, it's still the same concept of, you know, the people in charge um, who have authority, who have uh, ability to put parameters in place to keep workers safe while they're at work. Right. You know, and that's, and we'll even expand that beyond a lot of the work that we've been doing um, as a union for our members with our discussions with the governor's office, with um, OFM, which is the Office of Financial Management, and some of these other agencies has been, in addition to keeping workers safe from the virus, also, again, keeping workers safe from facing eviction of, you know, yeah. not having enough homes or, or food uh, being kicked out of their homes, you know, all of those sort of things. Because they're really sacrificing everything to right. to work yeah and and understanding and this is where that it's funny you mentioned earlier about you know people being american right we have this very yeah. uh rugged individualism within america like you said that that whole bootstrap and all of that right yeah but what yeah. you're what you're seeing here um with the people working on the front lines is actually what i think is a much better representation of what uh, America should be and can be, yeah. which is yeah. that that solidarity, collectivism of understanding. You know, I have a job to do, so I'm going to come in to do that job. But also, in doing so, not only am I serving my patients, but I'm also serving my coworkers and my colleagues because we're doing and the greater better. good. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really that is a uh, that's a very uh, good way to sort of. It helps me, it gave me chills, the notion of you do have people who are like, I'm not washing my hands. I mean, literally, just like, I'm not, oh, this is, you know, all blown out of proportion. And then you have people who are fighting and, and getting sick and fighting for people who are dying because they want to save lives and stop the spread. Um, the, right. Um, well, I'm, I'm interested. So in, in, uh, as a passionate advocate on behalf of the people uh, in your union and people in general, because it's just how you are. Um, I don't think that you, uh, you know, as a person, I don't think you become a psychiatric social worker um, 
you know, just because you're kind of just trying something out. Um, right. It's kind of part and parcel of your of your personality and your uh, commitment to humans in general. Um, when you are advocating on behalf of um, of the healthcare workers, what are you running into? Like, what are the issues that aren't being taken care of? So. I can give you the, the general and then I'll give into a little bit of specifics. The, okay. the the bigger general issue, I think, really has been getting the people in charge. And what I will say by that is the people in charge of various agencies, various departments within the state to really fully grasp what's going on um, and fully understand what they're being told both from their frontline workers but also to follow what they're being told by the governor's office so yeah i will give credit to governor Inslee and his team and that we have had very regular communication with them and by regular i mean daily usually multiple times a day um with specifics as far as what is going on at any particular work site, um, what needs we might have at any particular work site to continue people doing the the critical work of serving the public that they're doing while also being safe. Um, And his office has been extremely responsive um, and and has been really good about trying to get out ahead and, and putting out uh, recommendations and directives as far as what needs to be done, where the holdup um, or barriers have been a lot of times is then getting those agency heads to implement those things that they're being told. And, you know, I think in some cases it's a question of if they truly understand what's going on. Um, I think in some cases it's a question of possibly, uh, you know, ego, if you will, of not wanting to accept that their method isn't the correct method, right? Like they, they come in with, no, no, I know what to do. I'm going to do this. Well, that's not. Okay. So it's not, it's not so much that they are disregarding the directives because they don't believe that it's important, but it's that they have a better idea. So I think that's some of it. And I think early on, so now I think that people understand that it's important, right? But yeah. early on, and it's, it's, it's really, when I, I was thinking about this earlier today, it's only been about three weeks that this has I really know. been. And it, yeah. it seems like so much longer, but. It seems like a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. So I think going back, you know, three weeks or, or so ago, I do think there was certain agency heads who who didn't think it was a big deal. Um, specifically, you know, we had high-ranking people within um, DSHS, Behavioral Health Administration, uh, BHA is Behavioral Health Administration, and, and DSHS, Department of Health and uh, Social Health Services, who yeah. are the people that oversee, like, the state hospitals and all of that. One of them I read was in a newspaper article, and I don't remember exactly which article it was, but uh, their quote, they were on record saying that, you know, yes, yes, we understand that COVID-19 is dangerous, 
but really, if we just treat it like the flu, it'll be fine. Really? And, and that, to me, right there, shows a, a really fundamental, again, misunderstanding of, of what we're dealing with. Because first off, it's, it's not the flu. You know, we don't have a vaccine like we have for the flu. Um, it's, we, we, we knew then, and we know even more now, it's way, way, way more contagious than the flu, way more deadly than the flu. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and you can, yeah, you can catch it repeatedly. Right. And I think that that, but I also think that that statement is, is again, a, a better symbol of what we see, again, even outside of the COVID-19 coronavirus issue, which is the people often who are in charge of a lot of these agencies are so far removed from the people doing the day-to-day -day work in these sure. agencies. And even more so from the people who are, who are being served. Right. Yeah. That, they, that they simply just don't get it. And I don't think, again, I always try to assume positive intent with people. So I don't want to think that it's maliciousness. I think that it's legitimately, they just haven't done it. You know, they haven't, they haven't been on the ground floor in, in a really long time. And in some cases, they've never done it on the ground floor. So they don't, they don't truly understand what people are facing. Gotcha. So they, they are of a particular leadership that sort of ends up sort of at a particular level and never really having gone through the ranks or understood kind of what frontline workers are facing. And from that vantage point, maybe make some decisions that are lacking in, uh, you know, any right. basis of reality or. Right. And, and again, there are, there are some who did come up through the ranks, but yes, yep. again, it's been, they're so far, it, that was so long ago um, that they, that, yeah, yeah. that they miss it. I mean, so that, and so with that example, um, you know, I, we've talked about before that one of the reasons that I'm as president right now um, make a very, very conscious concerted effort to go to various work sites you know, all yeah. over the state of Washington. Um, uh, I had a couple trips that uh, over to the Spokane and the Yakima areas that were supposed to be actually happening next week. Um, obviously, those are postponed for now. But yeah. Um, but the idea again behind that being, um, you know, that's the best way for me and my role as a leader, um, or really anybody in a role as a leader to to know what's going on. Is again, you have to make sure you're talking to the people on the ground who are doing the work day to day, getting that unfiltered information and um, responses. And, and when possible, um, being able to see things with your own eyes. I've been fortunate um, with that. You know, I'm down here and I live in Lakewood. Um, so specifically to Western State Hospital, um, I'm able to go to the campus and see what is going on. I can talk to the people either as they're walking into their shift or coming out of their shift or they're on break for their shift and find out real time what is happening. And I'm fortunate again in, in my current role that I also have other trusted, um, you know, workplace leaders at, uh, again, at Eastern State Hospital, at Nacelle Youth Camp and Rainier School and 
you know, the uh, even Whatcom Community College and, and all over the state um, who can, again, provide me that same information, people who are the ones on the ground doing the work. Yeah, uh, I have a question for you now. Um, uh, you Did you say that uh, Harborview is part of your... Correct, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and did did things really kind of kick off at Harborview? When I say kick off, I mean, like, was that where we identified the uh, kind of the first person who was positive, or am I... So the, I believe the first positive, and I, I'm not exactly 100% sure, but I believe yeah. the first positive may have been at um, uh, a different hospital in the greater Seattle area. Okay. But the majority um, since then, you know, with that initial wave, were coming through Harborview. And I know Harborview was the one um, sort of leading the way on the, the initial research around it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's been um, where it has been. That's true. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm catching up on on some of the details here as I'm so immersed in our conversation. But yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of uh, nursing facility in Kirkland and Correct. you know like right. that. But but Harborview played like you know was right. in the epicenter or is still in the epicenter. Um, right. Uh, how are how are people doing? I mean, what what is What's being done for those people who are those healthcare workers, those frontline workers who are like, are they getting tested? I, you hear that they aren't. Right. So unless there is a um, a strong indication that they, you know, are actively symptomatic, okay, they're not being tested. Um, they are being screened. Right. So the screening, meaning, you know, they take your temperature, they go through various questions that whether or not, you know, you've to identify some, been exposed yeah. and, and things like that. Um, but even that, the, the screening processes at, at all of our healthcare facilities um, has, again, been something that we've been kind of fighting with management about. Uh, you know, initially they weren't doing active screening on people. Um, and, you know, obviously, we as a union were uh, incensed about that because I'm sitting here saying, you know, this virus is in your facilities. Like we know that that is not up for debate. That is a confirmed fact that it is there. Yeah. You know that there's a high likelihood that your employees are going to come into contact with this virus. Right. So knowing all that, to not be doing at least, again, some basic levels of, of active screening uh, whenever people are, you know, coming into work, coming into the building, um, is, is negligence, really. Um, yeah, that's what it feels and, like. I mean, it, especially given that we are only now, like we are slowly but surely learning all the new things, uh, how long the virus lasts, is it, you know, it, it can it be caught in the air or, you know, is it aerosolized? Is it, you know, there's still a lot of misinformation and just people who weren't quite sure you would think that a like a very diligent uh, approach to, and much like you would do anything in the, in healthcare in general, it's, it's, there are processes in place to protect and prevent. And um, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty angry making. 
Right, exactly. I mean, so one of the things that uh, a terminology people use in healthcare settings often and, and outside of healthcare, but especially in healthcare, is the, the idea of universal precautions, Yeah, which basically means that, um, you know, if I'm working with this particular patient, I am to assume that this patient is, you know, positive of, of every, everything basically sure. unless it's confirmed otherwise. And, and with that, I'm supposed to take sort of the highest level of precautions when working with that person to ensure, you know, my safety, the safety of my colleagues and my other patients and, and all of that. Um, and so with that, that's where, again, we felt like they, initially weren't really embracing that idea of using the universal precautions um, around, again, screening people, around cleaning um, rooms. So uh, as an example- I want to talk about that. Yeah, go ahead, please. I was going to say, one of the the things that I've been really, really uh, on top of um, is what's been going on with our- um, EVS staff, environmental services, and yes. it's like housekeeping, custodial people, right? Um, because these are people, which let me just really quick as an aside, I've often said how, uh, I've said for years that, you know, it's not hedge fund managers that, that are really, you know, essential. It's not these, you know, the, the essential people are your your nurses, your custodians, your right. garbage men. Very rarely you know, the and, C-suite. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and we're seeing right now that these are literally the people who are keeping society running. Um, yeah. Right? So, yeah. But with that, you know, a lot of our custodial services people, our EBS people, like they, um, you know, again, they're the ones that are going into, say, these rooms afterward and, and disinfecting and cleaning. Um, so, you know, we've really had to be on top of um, management again to make sure that they're they're getting appropriate personal protective equipment that they're getting the correct um, like chemicals needed to clean that they're getting the right training on how to use those chemicals because there are certain cleaners that you know the second you spray it onto a surface and you wipe it off it works there's other ones that you have to say let sit for five minutes and and just various yeah. things like that um, so having again that's going to be your frontline people one of the things that we were really really upset about going back to harborview was one of the early early on one of the the first fatalities around this this covid-19 the staff who worked with that person um you know the ones who again did uh, the basic uh, the cleanings, you know, all that kind of stuff. Again, the custodial yeah. staff also. They found out that they were working with a COVID-19 positive patient who died when it was on the news. Oh, Matt my God. Did not tell them. Um, oh, and, Mike, my stomach just dropped. That is... Right. So that, again, that's been one of the the big fights that we've been having a lot with management, again, across every agency is also the, the transparency with the communication. I think, again, going back to talking about people who are so far removed, I think a lot of yeah. managers, either, you know, the, the people at the bottom, either they don't need to know or, you know, they're not- Or some kind of risk mitigation or something. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, various reasons. But, you know, my my case has been from the beginning, like, no, you need to be open and transparent with people. Um, again, with what's going on, people need to know. Um, and when you know, you need to distribute that information as quickly right. as you can, because not doing so is again, what leads to what we were talking about before with, you know, people being scared and, and sort of a panic thing and certain people maybe not uh, believing the information that comes out because I mean, think right. about it. If, if you're, if you're saying, well, I'm lied to by this person or I'm this person's withholding information from me. So then when they do come to you and give you information, well, if their track record is that they're not a credible source, maybe, you know, it's less likely that you're going to believe what they're saying. And if they're not giving you information at all, then yeah, your mind's going to start wandering and saying, well, maybe it's this, or maybe this bad thing could happen. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Or maybe it's all a hoax. So I was going to say, I think that as a, as a greater public health um, idea, you know, this is where again, upper management um, really, that's their part is if they want to, you know, is they need to get that information out to help keep the public calm and keep the public informed um, so that we're not, you know, having people again, panic buying toilet paper and bullets and right, <laughs> yeah. things going on. And yeah. Yeah. Mike, I have a question for you. So in, in the midst of all this um, had been hearing about, like we had done a, um, Oh, I want to say it was a month and a half ago. Um, we had um, County Council uh, member um, uh, David Up the Grove uh, yes. here, and we we chat and we talked, and you know, and he mentioned just kind of offhandedly, um, boy, you know, the this uh, uh, coronavirus is uh, looking serious, and we were all around the table going, yeah, it really is, um, and. Uh, I had a trip to Nashville on my way back, um, left Nashville just in time for, I don't know, eight tornadoes to hit. And it was just a bleak scenario. So I, you know, we dodged that, but the, you know, and, and, uh, and we're just gutted um, because it literally happened right where we were staying. But on the way back home, on the way back to Seattle is when things started to get, you know, the CDC started to say things that you don't hear unless you're watching a disaster film. Right. And yeah, I mean, like they started warning about food and, you know, all of, all of that stuff. Um, making sure that you, you know, just make sure you have the supplies that you need. We don't want to alarm anybody. And then of course, you know, um, that was quite alarming, um, right. uh, but not enough so that it really baked into people's head because even people that I know, um, even people that I am uh, related to, um, I was like, hey, um, this is getting serious. And um, my, my question for you, given your unique perspective on what's happening in Washington state, specifically the healthcare workers and just the spread and, and how that's impacting patients, um, when did you know that it was, that this is, wasn't a drill? So, um, probably around the same time, maybe you were in Tennessee. Um, I had actually spent the entire month of February, uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, I was yeah. taking part in a, um, 
special uh, trade union program that's put on by Harvard University. Um, so I, I can make a joke with people now that I, I technically took classes at Harvard Law School. and Absolutely. Uh, you know, <laughs> I have a certificate that says that I graduated from a portion of Harvard Law School. Um, so See, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, we'll find a better way to word that, but sure, you can get away with right, that. Right, <laughs> right. Um, but so while I was over there, um, and, and in this class, besides me, it was people from um, all sorts of various unions um, from actually all over the world. Uh, U.S., Australia, Canada, public sector, private sector, um, trades unions, healthcare unions, you know, all of that. All of us were in this yeah. class. Um, and it was basically our last week of class was when it really started hitting. So all of us, um, especially those of us, again, that were, you know, had healthcare workers within our, our memberships, were in between classes, you know, texting back home and sending emails and, and initially really trying to gather, you know, the information as to, hey, this looks really serious. This looks major. Um, you know, let's start trying to get a plan in place now because uh, I think this is, you, you know, going to be big. Um, and yeah. in a weird way, even though I wasn't here in Washington, it was actually probably helpful because... I was able to collaborate with, again, other people from other unions with, um, you know, we, like some of the people in my class were like the Massachusetts Nursing Association and the um, uh, New York Nurses Association and a, a person who was with the United Steelworkers, which I didn't know this until the class started, actually represents a really, really large number of nurses um, and yeah. healthcare workers. Um, so we were able to collaborate kind of on different ideas and we've actually all stayed in touch since then and continue to sort of share info back and forth and resources um, to help that. And then it was literally, I was getting on the plane from Boston, you know, back to Seattle um, when, uh, you know, just everything started exploding when it was, there was however many, you know, the first 10 cases that all showed up at Harborview um, yeah. and at the same time that Kirkland life care facility where, where, you know, we were pretty sure it originated, um, our union also represents the aging and, and long-term support agencies, uh, home and community services, yeah. who are the people who, um, do the nursing homes and the skilled nursing facilities and the adult family homes. So, um, uh, our, some of our members were the people who were in that facility literally when, when it broke. Wow. I mean, they, so, so we've been, unfortunately, again, pretty, well, I say unfortunately, but I mean, we, we've been, you know, pretty deep into it. Um, but yeah, it was, it, I mean, and, and honestly, going back to saying it's only been three weeks um, from the time that I have touched, that I touched back down, you know, at SeaTac Airport. Yeah, um, yeah. To to right now as we're talking, um, from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep, you know, seven days a week, it's just constantly, you know, dealing with this of of getting information out to our members of yeah. again working with whatever we need to work with to keep people safe to. Uh, figuratively, you know, putting out fires at this particular location, um, 
you know, um, and, you know, either talking nicely to certain agency heads who need it or, or, you know, I've been, I definitely haven't made friends with some public officials these, like these last couple of weeks. Um, sure. Sure. You know, but, but that said too, um, you know, I, I, I was very candid with a particular one who, who got a little bit offended and said, you know, but you're, don't you think you're being a little bit harsh on me and yada, yada. And I, and I said, you know, I don't, I don't work for you. I work for, right. I, I, I am responsible for the members. Like that's who I work for. That's who I'm going to fight for. And you know what, if you were actually doing your job and, and being responsive to your workforce, we wouldn't be having to have this conversation right now. So good for you. Uh, I mean that, it, do you find those conversations, um, surreal i mean do you find them is it is it does it feel good or does it feel bad like are they um, correcting or are they are you just saying you calling someone out who is you know are they are do they have is there redemption ahead for these people there is i mean again there's it's a mixed bag right because there are there are a lot of people who um simply just didn't know Right. Like they didn't, they, right, they right. weren't fully understanding what was happening um, and who have been really receptive to talking and collaboration and then uh, shifting course when, you know, when they can. Um, and, you know, then there's always going to be a handful of people who are just going to dig their heels in and, and double down and keep trying to say my way is the best way. And, you know, those people I'm going to I'm going to continue to be on top of and and, you know, be a pain in their ass, so to speak. Um, right, right, because right. Because that's what needs to happen. And, you know, my, sort of my style, since I've been elected into this position, and, and my style really for dealing with any, any person even prior to being elected in this position is, if you want to have an adult conversation and be collaborative, you know, while, while we can work towards the same goals, yeah, that that's ideal, right? That's where we all want to be. Yeah. Um, and that's, that would be my preference too. But that said, again, I have a responsibility to, um, you know, over 40,000 um, employees of the state of Washington to make sure that stuff is done correctly. And if you're not doing that and you're not having those adult collaborative conversations and you're not being truthful or, you know, what have you, then, you know, if, if we need to fight, not physically, by the way, so just so I'm not going around, I'm not, I'm not yeah, up punching any, people out. Yeah. Heads, right. But, yeah. but in, in the, in the, in the figurative sense, like if we need to fight, if that's what needs to happen, then that's what needs to happen. And that's what I'm going to do. Mike, uh, I wonder, uh, you know, do you take a moment to think about what it means to hold the line? And when you're holding the line against the spread of a virus and against the, I mean, we're talking, of course, people working in the medical field are confronted hour by hour, day by day by, you know, life and death circumstances. Um, but this is, this is something else. This is literally the things that are happening on the, you know, on the front lines. And this is, I mean, by all accounts, it's a war. Yeah. Um, it, it is messy and it is, um, and there are casualties and there are, um, 
far too many people collateral damage. Um, uh, you know, how does it feel to kind of be there to bolster those folks? I mean, it must, uh, knowing you as I do, it must, must have a bit of an impact on you. Yeah. I mean, it definitely does. It's, you know, I think that one of the things is with this position that I'm in, I'm often the, the face. I'm the, I'm the one that people see in public. I'm the one that, that has the loudest voice, but the reality is I have an army of 40 some odd thousand people, um, you know, standing behind me um, who are doing this, who, who are the ones also taking this fight. Um, which, you know, having that responsibility is, uh, you know, at times, to be perfectly honest, um, sometimes terrifying, right? In that right. sense of, yeah. man, it would I, be for I, anyone. Right. Like, I really, you know, I do worry about, you know, days where I think, like, I hope I don't let people down. And I really, you know, because this is such a big deal. But then I also think, but that's not going to happen because I have all these really amazing, strong people um, fighting with me. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, with our members who are doing that and, and I would also be remiss if I didn't also say that within our union, in addition to all of our members, you know, we have, we have paid staff, we have people that their job is, you know, the, the union staff who have also been just doing amazing work who have been doing again, this, this 24 seven, triaging calls from members from all over the state and, and, you know, getting us information to give to the governor's office. Um, we have a new, new executive director. She was officially hired in February. I'm going to name drop her, uh, Leanne Kunze. Um, Leanne has been just amazing. I can't, I can't even praise her. What an onboarding. Yeah. Wow. Um, but she, I mean, she has jumped in from, you know, from the word go and has just been, you know, her and I have been, you know, locked arms as far as communication goes, all of that. And, and she's been working all sorts of stuff with, again, the governor's office and, and all the other chains that need be and, and has just been, uh, you know, again, I don't even have the words to say her and the rest of the staff, what they've been doing to, to keep this fight going, as you said, in the war has been, yeah, nothing short of amazing. And that, and that's again, what the days when I'm getting a little bit tired and I'm getting um, a little bit burned out, you know, I'll take my, take my nap. I'll do what I need to do. But then, yeah, I, also, yeah. but then I also see, you know, I, I look at the work that they're doing and the work again, all of our members on the ground are doing and that, you know, it inspires me to, and gives me that energy to really keep going. I am, um, I'm inspired for sure, but I'm, uh, but I'm also terrified. Um, and I think about what folks are facing and you talked a bit about kind of taking your nap and, you know, doing the things. What, um, what are we doing for our frontline folks to protect them or to ensure that they are at least taking as much time as possible to to recharge or even just take a shower or even take a nap. I mean, in those hospitals, I've, I've got friends who are working in Harborview. They are, they are 
incommunicado. Like they're there just, and they'll pop up every once in a while to say, Hey, sorry, can't talk, get used to it. And, right. um, what, what are we doing? Like what, what, what's happening for those people? So again, on, on our end, we, you know, we're trying to as best we can to stay in communication with all of them. And it really just depends on what that particular person needs for their specific thing of, Hey, you know, even as far as do you need help, you know, to need a ride home? Do you need me to run you up, um, you know, a change sure. of clothes? Um, yeah. you know, do you need me to, to swing by, um, you know, and, and bring you some food? Uh, you know, what have you, as far as that goes, as far as the, the greater overall picture, um, again, working with, the the state um to get um you know to get the the ppe and that they need to get the screening they need to keep them safe one of the things that we are pushing right now um we're referring to it as uh courageous duty pay so yes yeah um people have used the term you know hazard pay or things like that um so same general concept, just uh, our terminology, we're, we're calling it courageous duty pay that we're asking the governor, um, basically, and, and the rest of the state, not just the governor, but, you know, agency heads, uh, the president of UW, all of these various people that would have to make the decision that these are these people, again, who courageous duty, right? They are putting themselves in harm way and they know that. They, they yeah, are aware yeah. of that. They're doing it anyway because they understand the importance of it. And a lot of these people, again, the frontline people who are doing it also in a cruel, you know, sense of what our society is, are the people at the margins, you know, it's our custodians, yeah. it's our food service workers, it's our health techs who are usually on the lower end of the pay scale to begin with, right? There's also a level that a lot of those people tend to be women or minorities um you know so again societally marginalized groups um so what we're saying is uh, you know these people who are out here on the front lines doing this incredibly incredibly critical work to keep our society functioning you know we're asking that all of the frontline workers be provided the uh courageous duty pay to at least you know, help offset some of kind of what they're putting themselves and their families through. I mean, that's oh, the other certainly is we have people who, um, you know, are either not able to see their families or maybe are simply afraid, you know, are not going home right now because they don't want to possibly bring uh, this horrible virus into their household and infect their spouse or their you know, children or what have you. Um, and I think the other reason that that is also important, that that courageous duty piece is, the reality is you're going to see more and more frontline workers getting sick. Like that's, that's going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and aren't we, we right now kind of entering into that, that, that window of time when some of the first infected, maybe not knowing. I mean, because we're we're just now learning like the loss of smell and and is it the loss of smell and taste? As far as I know, yeah, that's the most recent, the smell and taste. Um, yeah, yeah. But, so that first wave or the second, even maybe the second wave of people getting ill, right, is is going to be happening right around now. 
right? That's yeah, been about yeah. three weeks, you know, two weekish or so. They said incubation period. Yeah, so we're probably right in that that uh, that window. So as that starts to happen too, um, you know, one of the things that's a, a big issue in in healthcare in general, again, even before this came on, is is staffing shortages, right? Um, so you're going to yeah. need that extra uh, sort of incentives too, hopefully to help uh, mitigate some of that, maybe um, maybe even, you know, attract some more people in to, to get them doing the work. Um, because that's the other thing is too, not to sound alarmist, um, but this isn't going away next week. I no, mean, no. Is- and honestly, if there was a time to sound alarmist, this right. is it. <laughs> I mean, so I think that's the other thing that we need to be uh, conscious about is, again, talked about the staffing shortages within um, healthcare settings and the equipment shortages and all of that. We need to, you know, we should have, again, built up that capacity beforehand. But since we didn't, we need to, to extra, extra ramp up that capacity right now because absolutely we haven't hit that peak that crest yet um yeah so so that's um i mean that that is alarming for sure but it is what's going on in the world today in the world mind you but when we think about just the pacific northwest and all the things that are going on here so do you see the the next big focus or the next big area that we ought to be focusing in is care uh, for frontline workers who uh, who have been exposed, who will, by dint of nonstop, the fact that they're working in a hospital um, and then they're burning the candle at both ends, they are, um, they're, they're compromised. Um, their immune systems are compromised. So they're just not getting sleep. Um, they're right. not taking care of themselves. And then, so do you, do you really see us kind of approaching that point of, of, uh, of crisis as far as running out of, you know, people who will be well enough to get the job done and are things being done to mitigate that at all? So the first part, um, I hope not. I think that, um, and then that's the second question is, are things being done to mitigate that a little bit, but not enough? So if we don't do more to mitigate that issue, then yes, question one, we will be at, I think, a, a crisis level of uh, staffing or lack of staffing, right? So that goes back to, again, what we've been talking about tonight um, is providing these workers, A, with the equipment and the tools that they need to, as much as one possibly can, stay safe, stay well, so that they continue to work, they can continue to work. Um, And then also, like I said, uh, getting people trained up and out there um, on the ground to to do the work uh, as quickly as possible. You know, we, I really feel like, um, kind of how, you know, you look back to, um, you know, the Great Depression, and, and, and they had the, um, Oh my God, I'm blanking. I'm sorry, but whatever it was called, the public works thing, you know, to put the people at work saying, yeah, it's part of the new deal. I forgot the exact yeah. title, or whatever it was. I'm saying like, yeah. you know, we need you to help uh, pave this road or, or do this or do that. Right. Yeah. I yep, think yep. This idea now, I mean, the same, I think it's, it's kind of an area where you should do the same thing of saying, okay, 
we understand that for however long this crisis ends, but even when it's over, or however long it goes on, but even when it ends, we don't have enough healthcare workers in this country to to do the work that needs to be done. Um, and there should be a really, really, really major concerted effort um, to to get people again into those fields. Um, and obviously, you know, a doctor or a nurse is going to take a lot, a lot of schooling. But I'm talking about even the again the support staff, right? Yeah. Um, the people who are your health techs or your, your people who are again your custodians that you can train those people up um, in a shorter period of time to do the work that they need to do to support you know your your medical doctors and your yeah. R and all of absolutely that. and I think what you were thinking of perhaps and I, I'm I'm uh, I'm a little up to my eyeballs in COVID nineteen but I think you were thinking of um, the Civilian Conservation Corps. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. That is, yeah. That and that, and that is exactly, I mean, we, we've talked about, you know, um, uh, through the federal jobs guarantee, we've talked about a lot of that stuff in progressive circles and actually with a wider microphone. And I can't, you know, that I can't believe that we are in a time when, we were almost there. Um, I, Mike, I can tend to get a little um, overwhelmed by the bad news and concerned uh, beyond my, uh, you know, beyond what is really truly, I think, even reasonable for a person as a person who's kind of motivated by empathy for others. Um, is it, what's it looking like? I mean, are we, are we able to get some of this stuff into play? Is there, are there enough advocates to push for things like training and, and getting new people in and actually understanding that the rate at which our healthcare providers are working, that's not sustainable. Um, and that's just like, you don't need to be, um, you know, a, a, a master at, you know, sort of hospital systems to understand human beings just cannot burn that hard and that bright for that long without right. there being some repercussion. Right. So, um, I mean, this is a point, this really is, I think a, a critical point in our society where we finally have to say, are we a society that cares about human beings and yeah. human lives and the overall you know, overall society, or are we a society that cares about the very wealthy and the very rich and the very elite and screw everybody else, right? Um, right. And that's where we're at. So uh, your question of, is there enough advocacy? Is there enough people out there to push it? Yeah, there is. I, and I, I really believe that because I talk to them every day, right? Yeah. Uh, and not just, again, not even just in Washington State um, and not even just in the United States. Again, you know, the people that I've talked to uh, that I've met through the program in, in other countries. Uh, so there is that um, strong kind of undercurrent, um, you know, the, the working class, so to speak, the, the, regular, the regular folks, right? A we, solidarity, if you will. Yeah, like we're, you know, we're all seeing that right now. Like this is our lives. We know it, we've known it for a while, but it's, it's getting more and more and more energy behind it. And I really think that we, we are at a tipping point 
in a society where we have shown this, has, if nothing else has shown that sort of the old way, the bootstrap capitalist, you know, I got mine, screw you type mentality that we have uh, pushed and, and glorified for so long is not sustainable. It's just and not. It's failed a sustainable us, yeah. model. It has failed. And um, so I do believe that now is the time for, for people to continue being those really, really strong advocates of saying, no, if we want to continue to exist as a society, um, you know, this is what we need to do because, you know, when push comes to shove, um, you know, Jeff Bezos is going to die just like you and me, right? Right. His, his billions of dollars are not going to save him from eventually at some point expiring from this earth. Uh, right. And, you know, so try as he may to invest in whatever. Yeah. I mean. Right. Um, and so that idea of, and, and, you know, understanding that as a functional society, again, all I keep saying all these job classes, all these people that we have pushed to the margins, you know, the people who, who pick your fruit, the people who, yeah. you know, again, who, who clean your streets, who drive the buses, um, who clean your homes, who, who clean your yeah. homes, right. All of these people that society has kind of ignored, thrown away, looked down upon. Um, again, we are in this crisis now. These are the people who are getting us through. These are the people who are keeping society running, yeah. right? Um, so now is the time for, for those people to stand up and for people like me who are in a position where I have a voice for those in those jobs that, that don't necessarily have that same loud voice to use that voice to stand up for them and say like, Hey, you know, uh, person, uh, in charge here, I was trying not to curse. I know we can, but I'm trying not to, um, I something, hear yeah, yeah. something I'm working on for my own, you know, personal growth. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, hey person, like this, this guy over here, this woman over here, it, you know, deserves respect and deserves to be able to see a doctor and, and have a solid house to live in and all of the things that, you know, come with the fact that they are the working, they're the ones keeping our society going. Um, so yeah. And that's ultimately what it comes down to is I'm going to keep screaming for that. I'm going to keep fighting for that. All of the people with me, both within my union and, and outside of our union, um, but who believe that same way, um, you know, we're going to keep doing that. And, and, and I do believe not to sound too Pollyanna, but I do yeah. believe that, that we we're going to win that fight because we have proven right now that society cannot function without us. Society can function. And, yeah. Yeah. Society can function without billionaires. Society can function without wall street and hedge fund managers. Right. Oh yeah. But they, they have can't proven function without the working class without the people making it happen. Oh, exactly. So Mike, um, you have, uh, you have all at once terrified me and given me some hope. Um, there are so many people, um, who are, you know, you mentioned that there, you know, in the world, there's, you know, not enough masks and we've got to, you know, and you have a thousand people, 
doing what they can to sew masks and whether that's effective or not, the, the point that I'm trying to make is they're, they're ready to fight. They're ready to do a thing. What yeah. can, what can we do? What can, what can we have people do? So a couple things right now, specifically in Washington, um, you know, the big thing that we are asking people to do is just continue to put pressure on, um, your public officials, elected officials, uh, both the governor's office and all of your other elected officials around, like we said, the, the courageous duty pay uh, is a big one. One of the other big ones that we're also really, really pushing for right now, um, given what's going on with our economy, is not only a moratorium on evictions, which I know the, the governor's office has said, we're actually pushing for a rent and mortgage. Um, can you hear me, Mike? Yeah, can you hear me? Did you? Mike. You muted me. Uh, did I mute you? Yes, you muted oh, me. Oh, damn it. Okay, I, I was, um, all of the, uh, it's, I was making my way through the house. I was trying to do it very quietly, so I must have been oh. clutching my phone like a, but uh, it's the eight o'clock uh, howl uh, and sing and, and toot a horn for healthcare. Providers. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I was just going on. I was like, what's going on? I hear just all of this kind of, I heard music and, you know, um, yeah. Which, you know, I love actually seeing stuff like that too. Like that, like you were saying, like that shows that people want to be part of the thing, right? People yeah, get it. Yeah. They want to they help. They want to support however they can. Right. And now I, I, I cut you off right when you were talking about, you said the governor and then I uh, was, uh, in, you know, ensorcelled by the siren song of my neighborhood. Right. So uh, we're saying the governor has put in the eviction moratorium, um, which is good but we actually think that it doesn't go far enough. Um, there should actually be a, a freeze on rents and mortgages for the time being. Yeah. Um, reason being is because an eviction uh, moratorium is great, but all that that means is you owe double rent next month. Right. You know, so. and, that mean, and, that means, and that means relief for both landlords and tenants. Right. So if they say mortgage and rent, right, then exactly. Then it, it helps yeah. both. Um, so those are really, you know, kind of the big asks right now as far as the activism goes. And then the other thing, um, and this is going to sound really probably naive, but I think is, is probably the most important thing, is regardless of who you are, regardless of what job you are, regardless of where you live, if you are hearing this podcast, the most important thing you can do is not be an a-hole to other people, you know, <laughs> understand yeah. that right now everyone is struggling. Everyone is, is really doing the best they can. Um, and I can tell you that me personally, the last couple of weeks as, as burned out as I've been, as tired as I've been, doing all sorts of stuff, you know, I'll come home and I'll go through my 850 emails that I got in the last three hours. Um, yeah. And all of that. And there'll be one in there that just is from some person 
in some cases who I've never even met, who just says, hey, you know, I saw from my friend's Facebook or this, you know, what you're doing out there and what you guys are trying to fight for. And that's awesome. And thank you. Uh, You know, keep it up. And it's like that, that tiny bit, that five seconds of human kindness that I was shown in that moment. um, Yeah just go so far. And I think that if we, if we really made a concerted effort to do that as a society for everyone, um, I I think honestly, again, talking about the people who are burned out with the healthcare workers who are working 24 seven and, and all of these other things, like it it sounds silly, but it really does matter. It really does matter. Absolutely. And you don't know where people are at and you don't know what's going on. And that, that does, we are speaking about everyone because we're focused right now on the work that you do advocating on behalf of the front line that is fighting something we have warned each other about and have made big Hollywood movies. I mean, like it might as well be a meteor. I mean, like this is just so beyond many uh, anybody's ability to really understand uh, you're there you're you are advocating on behalf of those folks who are fighting and but there's a whole there are so many different systems and cycles and things that are that are falling apart and that little bit of kindness and that little bit of gentle sort of recognition of difficulty and of and and wishing you strength um that that's currency right now that's, yeah that's the and, money right and that's right and that's and that's the, and the other thing that's great about it is though it's a currency that we all have right, right. we all have it um right and we all we all have that ability to to give that to each other um and and to help people get through this time i mean again i'm i'm focused on primarily on my my union siblings but the reality is plenty of people who are out there not you know in a union not in union jobs you know i think about all of the the service industry folks right checkers beggars um, right stalkers or even you know a lot of friends of mine who are you know hairstylists or tattoo artists yeah. or musicians or you know yeah the bartenders uh whatever oh yeah you know, um, people, gig economy type people, um, they're all, you know, they're struggling right now. And I think that, um, again, that little bit of kindness would, would go a really long way, um, to, to anybody. And it's one of those things that it's pretty easy to do, you know, I, it is. My, yeah. I, I think I said this on the podcast last time, one of my running jokes that people make with me is, um, you know, my sort of catchphrase in a lot of cases is just don't be a dick. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like, uh, you know, how did, how did you get this accomplished? How did you work with this person? How did you do this? And it's like, well, if you're just not a jerk in life, usually you can do okay. You know, you can maneuver a lot of things when you're not being, yeah. When you're not being a dick. Yeah. So just try to, you know, I think if all of us keep that in the back of our mind, um, I think that'll also really help us get through this. And, and, you know, again, we will get through it. I think that's the other big message that I, I really have been trying to get out to everybody is I get that this is scary. I get that 
there is a lot of unknown. I get that it is super fluid and rapidly changing. You know, stuff that I told you at the beginning of this podcast might not be relevant by the time, you know, it goes to post because things might have changed since then, right? That's just the right, reality right. of what we're dealing with. But all that said, we will get through this at some point. And the way we will do that is solidarity, is us sticking together, looking out for one another, you know, fighting for um, that person on the margins um, and, you know, using the voice when you have the voice for those that don't, um, you know, and, and the Teddy Roosevelt thing that I'm doing, you know, using the stick when you need to use the stick, you, you know, yeah. any number of those things. But but sticking together and understanding that the way that we get through this is as a collective, as a society for the greater good. Yeah. And as long as all of us continue to be focused on that, I, I do truly believe that we will get through this and we'll actually come out of it on the other end, a better society than we are right now. Mike Yastrzemski, um, president 48th asked me council 28 Wolf C. Did I say that right? We'll see. Ask me, Council Twenty Eight. Yes. Yes. Good. Um, I am. Uh, I'm proud to know you. I am so thankful that you chose to take some time to talk to Better Left folks, and um, we need to check in again and uh, check in and see how you're doing, but get a sense of kind of what's going on because you know I think we both kind of have been hinting at it, but you know, there's more to come and there's oh, yeah. more, more circumstances that as a society and truly as a global sort of collective, um, that we're going to have to come to terms with. And, uh, and I, I do think, you know, when you talk about the new normal, a lot of people can spend some time predicting, um, what that may look like. I'm going to spend my time talking with people like you who are doing the work and who are bright spots in this otherwise fairly, fairly difficult to kind of parse um, time and having you uh, share your insight, um, having you uh, give, give us some hope and some understanding that the people that are fighting are fighting because they believe that this can be something that we come through the other side. Um, that's important. That's, that's good medicine. Um, and uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time and talking with me. Yeah, and thank you. I really appreciate being able to get on again. Um, it's always fun to talk to you, whether we're recording or not. So I always, yeah. I always do appreciate it. And yeah, um, as as this continues, um, you know, as time allows, I'd, I'm more than well, more than happy to jump back on and give some more you updates and, and keep people going. So yeah, thanks right again. On. All right. Thanks again, Mike. Um, folks, uh, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, we are recording uh, at our respective homes as, uh, as good citizens should. Um, and we believe everybody ought to podcast. So if you're sitting at home and you've got some thoughts or you want to share some things uh, with us uh, about what you're doing to kind of keep it together uh, for your family, for yourself, for your neighbors, um, and maybe you've got a line on some things that are going on in your respective communities, do me a favor, send a note to 
hello, H-E-L-L-O, at betterleft.net. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to Mike again in the future. Um, for now, um, I'm going to say it's better left to you, Mike Yastramski. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks again, guys. Take care. Wow, what a great interview that Troy had with Mike there. Uh, it's always incredible to me to listen to how passionate these people are about other people, about making sure that other people are cared for, and we need to make sure we're doing the same thing. So don't go out and support them. Stay home and support them, and give them whatever you can. If you got extra gloves, if you got extra face masks, if you just are finding some way to help make sure that you can lift that load a little bit for your neighbors, I think that goes a long way. Uh, help where you can. I think that's the most important thing. Speaking of people who help where they can, we got another great interview on deck for you today. And this is with Michael Ferguson, another fantastic friend of ours, somebody who worked on Sarah's campaign and has just contributed so much. Uh, he's once again helping other people out by helping fundraise and ensure that they are going to have the resources they need to survive and pay for their family during these difficult times. We don't think about lighting people. We don't think about staging people all that often because they're behind the scenes. But these are such critical people in making sure that the stuff that brings us entertainment gets made. So listen a little bit. Michael will explain to us what's going on and what he's doing to help support that movement. Thanks again for tuning in to Better Left. We hope you're enjoying what you're listening to. Okay, we are back, and I am super stoked, even though I wish it was under different different circumstances, to have one of our bestest podcast pals, M. Fergie Ferg. How's it, Ferg? Oh, we're uh, we're hanging on. Yeah, sorry, hanging we're not here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, spirits are high, but the I mean, future is bleak. Of, I'm smoking a lot more weed, that's for sure. So spirits <laughs> yeah. are definitely high. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so, so Fergie, you are, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, you are, like I said, one of our bestest friends. Um, and we met you on Sarah's campaign. You did mm -hmm. some volunteering with us. Um, but you also helped us, I think you helped with like some video production sort of stuff, right? Yeah, and some audio stuff. And I did a yeah. tabling at a, at a big rave. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> it was super but, uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, and so like that's kind of where we got introduced to your background. So do you want to tell us a little bit about like what you do? Yeah, I am an account. Uh, technically, my term is an account manager for a theatrical lighting company. We provide temporary lighting for uh, theater shows, musicals, rock festivals, music festivals in general, touring music, some movie <laughs> stuff, some commercial stuff. Uh, live events. Anytime anybody gets together to celebrate and they want to turn right. the lights off and make it special looking, that's that's where we come in. What's like your most bragworthy, <laughs> like badass thing that you have done lighting and things for? Uh, I've done stuff on New York Fashion Week. I've Ooh, done, yes, bitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> work, <laughs> work. <laughs> um, I do used to do all the Sasquatch festivals out at the gorge. So I put okay. from like Foo Fighters, Diplo, Skrillex. Hey, when you do, um, do you stay out there, or do you stay in like a hotel or something? Or yeah, yeah, I, 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 I have a trailer that I usually stay in. But yeah, so, you get wild. You know, 
Uh, I mean, like free catering food. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. I did lose my golf cart privileges one year, so. Ooh, but, uh, naughty for. It wasn't. It wasn't me. It was another guy who was on the racetrack we had built. He just looked like over. On yeah. the racetrack you built. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. It's really, it's really fun. <laughs> But yeah, um, as you can imagine, when um, your state and your local government ban collections of people more than you know more than ten people in a room, Dude. it has decimated our industry. Yeah. <laughs> like, so so let's talk about that a little bit okay. more. So first, yeah. the governor banned events of more than two hundred fifty people, and then I think it was fifty people, and now it's ten people. So basically, yes. like. No one can do things, correct? Yeah, yeah, right. Like the smallest little venue I've ever worked in is like, like a bar the supplies of like the show box. Right. Anything smaller than that, just there's not enough people paying enough ticket money so that the band can make money, the bar can make money, and there's money left over to like pay people to bring in extra equipment. Yeah, um, and so so you were telling me that like the impact this has had on your industry has been, I mean, insane, right? It's, it's been catastrophic. Um, in the matter of two weeks, uh, all of our industry, oh, my industry's work disappeared for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be about a year um, of, of work just gone. Cause the last thing they're going to do, I mean, the, our bread and butter is larger, like large arena shows and, festivals where tens of thousands of people get together and that is going to be the last thing that that the band is going to be lifted from because well that's just yeah. the worst <laughs> that's the fastest right. way to spread a disease totally uh, no and, yeah. and you were saying earlier like you guys have been out of work even before like yeah we started yeah yeah we started losing uh, corporate clients became nervous two and a half, three weeks ago right. and started canceling events. We were doing um, a big Apple launch, the first Apple launch outside of um, the Bay Area. My company was doing one in London and oh, that wow. that canceled three weeks ago because yeah. of fears of, of uh, COVID-19. Damn. So, so like two weeks ago, my CEO flew to our warehouse in Seattle and laid off 19 of 21 people. Uh, he flew to our Las Vegas warehouse and um, uh, laid off like 38 of 40 people. Um, yeah. So across 13 warehouses, we went from a staff of like 225 to 26. Did you get laid That's, off? I have not gotten laid off yet. But wow. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, to podcast. No. <laughs> underlining yet <laughs> because I mean honestly right. like I'm a sales guy if there is no work to like like there's no work to be had I'm doing as much make work projects as I as I can but like there's only so much you can get going yeah um, and so again we were talking about the numbers a little bit earlier I know you threw out like a billion something like oh yeah in what one is day, the one scale of, biggest, of this yeah yeah, in one day, our biggest client uh, canceled $1.8 billion worth of work. Um, that's nuts. That's all of their road shows were told to go home. So, I mean, we're, 
Uh, we're a small portion of the entertainment industry. We're like 120-ish million dollars a year. That's going to be like reduced down to 40, I would guess, mm-hmm. um, because it happened so early. And also, like the beginning of the year is generally our slower times. Um, certain markets are busy, like like the winter is auto show season for some reason. Oh, um, but yeah, our big one in Europe canceled, and then New York canceled, and LA canceled. Wow. Um, and so, again, I feel like this is important to highlight for people because, like, yeah, so many people are suffering. But, I mean, I, I think you worded it really well earlier that, like, everyone goes to get their coffee every day. They go to restaurants. And so those things couple are couple times a visible. week. Yeah. Those things are very visible when they shut down. But, you know, yeah. you might go to a concert once or twice a year. And so it's not yeah. something people are thinking about as much. But, I mean... Like you said, it's a huge huge industry. Like I have a friend who's a manager of a labor company, guys who go and, you know, set up the stage, set up stages, set up line arrays, you know, make VIP areas. And he has a staff of 300 gig workers who all got laid off. And they're the most kind of vulnerable in our industry because they are of the like, you know, the the bottom of the totem pole. These guys are making these guys and gals are making, you know, 15 to $25 an hour. Um, and in, it's all, it's, it's all done in gig work, right? So like you work 65 hours one week putting on a festival and then the next week you work 20 hours. Right. And then the next week you do 45 hours working a, um, you know, sales conference at the convention center. And then next week you might work 10. You know, so they, they, they may or may not, they may or may not be eligible for unemployment. Correct? Yes. And a lot of the people who get above that level of totem pole, like the second, the second mm-hmm. level rung on the ladder are people who have enough skill level to run their kind of own LLC and get 1090 be 1099 employees, like guys and gals who run the con, who run the consoles, the audio consoles and the lighting consoles. People who've developed that skill to be able to get paid more are often more likely to be 1099. Um, yeah. So there's like almost, I would say at least a third of friend of friends of mine in the industry have no safety net to fall back on. It's so fucked. Um, it's so fucked. Yeah. And yeah, it's so, it's so crazy. even, even though you didn't get laid off, I know that you have been taking some efforts to try and help folks who are in your circle um, and relieve those people who don't have those safety nets. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Actually, there's been actually uh, quite a few developments in the last like 24 Ooh. hours about that. Yeah. Um, I immediately like once, once everybody in my warehouse house got laid off and I talked with my buddy who owns the labor company, I started to go fund me to just try to raise some funds for people who were in dire need. And that's been going pretty well. We've got about $4,000 right now, but that's right. by starting by, yeah, totally red. But by starting to go fund me, it started kind of a conversation amongst all the small business owners in the entertainment network. And we've started a, a nonprofit called stage works. Wow. Um, oh my God, dude. That's yeah. Awesome. Where, you know, Maybe. then we're going to try to file for a 501 three, um and hopefully get it done as soon as you know hopefully it can be expedited uh because yeah. there's a lot of support from you know the tech bro community who can get funds doubled uh, matched by their companies yeah. and right. whatnot uh we're being part we're kind of we're not partnering i'm going to say but 
Uh, Music Matters is advising us on how to like uh, distribute funds evenly and like and can uh, you tell us who, who that is? Yeah. Uh, Music Matters is a non the national nonprofit um, by the Grammy Recording Artists. Okay. So they have um, they have a fund set aside to um, help people who are struggling like this. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, dude, I feel like you could get some like celebs to like throw some cash at that for sure. Like right. because again, like this is something that people don't think about because it's not right in their face. But yeah, like no, everybody and, like, goes to concerts. Everybody enjoys music and arts and things yeah. like that. And so we should and, be like, caring. All of our all the stage labor and stage tech stage yeah. techs are there yeah. hours before you show up and they're for there hours after you leave. Setting oh, everything wow. up and tearing it down, right? Um, and these are people who do this because they love it, right? Like any of these folks could go get a real job, but we're all silly pirate the people who love, <laughs> who love, who like love their freedom, right? You know, um, and love help. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, uh, is is the hope through the nonprofit that you'll be able to build sort of a longer lasting? Uh, yeah support oh that's that's great yes yeah 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 because there's always people who are falling through the cracks and there's always gigs that cancel or you know bad clients who don't pay you know or people who want to have you work for free for the experience or exposure Um, yeah 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 um you know and if we can build a fund to kind of kind of be a safety net that would be fantastic but i mean right now in my GoFundMe, I have like forty-five, fifty thousand dollars worth of requests for people who need funds, and it's it runs the gambit from like I'm not going to make my mortgage of like you know thirty-two hundred dollars to I just need money to feed my dog. Um, yeah, that's a lot to just take like, on, man. Ugh, it was really yeah. I, I, you know, I've been kind of asking how people are doing sort of like, you know, you, I've, I've spent some time with you, you um, Ferg and I are working and helping some other folks put together a podcast and uh, we've been hanging out a lot and talking and stuff. Um, and you've been, you've been there for me in the last, uh, you know, 2020 has been a bitch. Um, but how are you, how are you doing? Um, I mean, like it was, it was shocking to hear that all of my warehouse workers like are no longer around because i like you know i I normally work from home but when i do go anywhere i go to my warehouse um so i know all those folks and to realize that only two of them are still there is rough but my personal staff like well not my the people i work with on a day-to-day basis um doing the back-end work they all got let go too in the last like monday and i realized monday afternoon when I read their auto responders, which were vague, they were like, I'm no longer, here. I may be back at this date. Please. That's so please sad. Yeah. So like, I felt really bad that I didn't get to like, at least say, get goodbye. Their, like, say goodbye yeah. and like get their addresses so I could send them a thank you for being so great and dealing with me for 10 years, you know? Um, Cause all that staff like yeah. is there for me is just to, to help me be successful, which is great. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, so it's been with a big heart. So I, I, can, yeah. I can hear your voice, but uh, yeah. yeah. I love you Fergie. Oh, I love you too guys. I mean, yeah. 
it's it makes to me it makes a lot of sense for this industry to get hit really hard because it is a place where people gather in small rooms and spread their gross bodily fluids right like how often do you dance your face off at a concert and realize you leave the leave the venue covered in sweat and maybe it's not all yours or that time when it like congeals in the ceiling and drips on you and you're like oh god right and i feel like like that recognition is important and that like yes this is a necessary thing we need to do that being said like when things like this happen to us as a society we need to come together to make sure that folks like you and all your people like are taken care of because we we this this is not us failing capitalism right like this is not all of us having made terrible choices in life to work this good blue collar job that brings joy to people it's the fact that capitalism has failed us you know there is no workaround there is no yeah you know yeah for sure yeah and it's i i mean like will my family will be fine and a lot of my friends families are going to be okay but like if it's bad for a long time there's going to be lots of people hurting and then you know what's going to happen is once the ban is lifted every he's going to want to get outside and do something and there's going to be the workforce is going to be cut in half because everybody's going to gone gotten other jobs that would be the one thing that i think durkin did well in her when she was talking with jay Inslee, and that was that investing and making sure that the infrastructure and the that the spaces are maintained so that we can do this again when we can um, yeah that, that you know we'll be able to do that but uh you're a good man um, and yeah. like anything we can do to help, you know, we've got a couple projects coming, like spooling up to just keep some people working um, and provide some entertainment to people. Cause I don't know about you, but I've watched everything I've wanted to on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I listened to all my podcasts and I'm getting really antsy because I like being ha- I like being with people and hanging out. And, uh, you know, I'm an extrovert, so I like feed off of the energy of other people, and I just feel sorry for my family because uh, <laughs> I must be so annoying to them right now. You and Sarah should uh, have a have a phone call. I feel like you could you could get some good talks out. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah absolutely. Some, some screams. Yeah. <sighs> uh, well, yeah. Fergie, thank you for joining us. Do you have anything hey, else you want to add, Trotty? Um, if we could put my GoFundMe in the show notes. Um, oh yeah, that'd be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yes, thank you so we much. Will make, we will make sure everyone knows how to donate, and also yeah. again, just like. If you had a concert that you were going to go to that was canceled or like a show, whatever it may be, yeah. like if you are able to donate the amount of that ticket price to or, for yeah, go to ahead. The, yeah, or to the GoFundMe, or you know what, if you can't donate the whole price, how about just that bullshit t- ticket master processing totally got returned? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that, like anything, <laughs> yeah, yeah, would really help because there's a lot of people hurting. I mean, like. Yeah. Well, a I'm lot. excited about a couple things. Um, uh, Ferg and I uh, are, are working with some folks to put some podcasts together, and we're thinking of our own kind of weird, silly thing to do. Uh, yeah. But in the coming uh, weeks, we're going to start doing some events where we 
are just gonna do some recording of uh, us, you know, doing a hangout, watching a movie, doing something like, you know, it's uh, yeah. Uh, and you know, we'll we'll loop you into uh, to that as well, Ferg. Um, That'd be I, awesome. You know, yeah, uh, I, 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 need, I, I need to see people. <laughs> right? Uh, no. Information and right now on uh, betterweb.net, we've got an app that uh, if you, you're interested and want to attend one of those, I'll surface it more towards the top. It's been there for about a week now. Um, oh, awesome. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll we'll share more of that information. But um, I'm glad you all are healthy. Thank you. I'm glad that you're all good too. Remember to wash your hands, folks. Yes, definitely yeah. doing that. Okay, Fergie, Fergie. All right, we'll talk, talk to you later, you. folks. Okay, Love y'all. Bye. 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 Uh, Leaving meeting. <laughs> Yet another amazing interview. Uh, with Michael Ferguson, I uh, cannot believe the good work that he is doing just to make sure that other people get to survive and other people get to actually be cared for. You know, that's the kind of thing that we all need to be doing. So, you know, look around you, look at your family members, think about what you're able to help out with, and just make sure that you are doing everything that you can to help out your neighbors and your friends and your family and the people around you. Uh, we get through this together. That's how that happens. We get through this through mutual aid. We get through this with solidarity. And we got to make sure that we fight together. That's what this has always been about, is making sure that we all survive. So if you liked our interviews today, and I hope you did, make sure that you leave us a good review. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Give us a share on Facebook. Help us reach out and amplify these voices just a little bit more. Uh, but today, we think it's better left at home. Stay home. Wash your hands. Don't go out there. This is not a hoax. People are dying. Don't be that idiot. Thanks a lot for listening. Again, this is Better Left, and this is Jay.
The flowers will bloom, the rivers will flow, and we'll meet again soon. Our memories together are golden. I wouldn't change them for nothing. I learned from the best to cherish the moment. Ooh. You're closer than ever. With birds, I'll be wandering. Yeah.